Good morning. Again, I would like to welcome you here to North Hills Church and to this gathering, especially on this uh, Resurrection Sunday. Is this thing on, James, or doesn't me? All right, looks like we're good to go. Well, a couple things, um, as I should not have to say, there are a lot of babies around here, a lot of kids, and as we often say uh, to our young parents, uh, it's okay. Don't, don't worry about your babies. They're going to be loud and annoying and screaming, and they're going to be jittery, and they're going to run under the pews, and uh, we've had all kinds of stories over the years of babies, and it's all right. Uh, now, if you do hear me preaching a little faster this morning than normal, it's because I'm very well aware there are 78 babies in here, and so we're going to do our best. And if you are guests with us, we normally do have a nursery. I'm going to today is a special day. We just decided to put everybody in one room, so here we are. So we're glad that you're here this morning. If you are uh, new with us, one thing we do at North Hills every uh, Easter, every Resurrection Sunday, we turn to the same passage, similar to as we do at Christmas time. And so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 15 this morning. So if you have your Bibles this morning, and I hope that you do, I invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So as you work your way there, today obviously is Resurrection Sunday. It is a day that we remember and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what we're going to do this morning. So uh, let us read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Uh, We'll start in verse 1 and read a little bit and then um, just probably make a couple. Let's just go and read the first 23 verses like we normally do. Here we go, 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Let's skip down to verse 17. In verse 17, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, We are of all people most to be pitied. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ is the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Let us pray. Lord, as we come to this text in 1 Corinthians, Lord, we thank you for this, this passage. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for this Resurrection Sunday, Lord, this Easter weekend that we can remember and celebrate the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so this morning, as we work through this text, as we I remember and celebrate Jesus and the gospel. Would you lead us and guide us? Would you illuminate your truth by your Holy Spirit? And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So this morning, uh, as we have done many times, we're going to work through this text and, uh, and, and 
kind of hone in on some truths from what we call the gospel chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. Now, if obviously 1 Corinthians 15 is not the only chapter in the Bible uh, that is about the gospel. The gospel starts in Genesis chapter 1 and it ends in Revelation. Uh, it is all through Scripture, uh, specifically in Genesis chapter 3. We see the beginning of the gospel that we'll look at briefly this morning. And so the gospel is the whole thread of Scripture. The Bible is not about you. The Bible is about Christ. And the, the Bible is about the gospel message, the good news of what Jesus has done for us. But in 1 Corinthians 15, through the Holy Spirit, Paul uh, just encapsulates all of it. He distills it down and reminds his people just as we need a reminder this morning. And that's what for us Resurrection Sunday or Easter is. It is an annual reminder uh, of something that we should regularly be mindful of. Now, I don't know about you, I need reminders in my life. I have reminders that go off of my phone throughout the day. And if I want to do something the next day, and if you've been around me, you'll see me. Tell Siri, remind me tomorrow to do this. And then I have to set another reminder, reminder to remind Siri to remind me to do this. I'm a very forgetful person. And by and large, people are very forgetful. We get so caught up in life and the hustle and bustle. We get caught up in kids and our work and our families and our own pursuits. And so we need reminders. So resurrection is our annual reminder of something that we need to be regularly mindful of. Uh, in our culture, we have reminders. We have birthdays and holidays, right? We all love birthdays. Some of us like to pretend we don't like birthdays, but at the heart of it, every person in this room, their favorite day of the year is your birthday, right? And you want people to remember you and to think about you. Holidays. We have holidays to remember events, to remember occasions, uh, to have emphasized things that we need to remember. And so we have Resurrection Sunday that allows us to remember that which we should be very mindful of, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in the church, here in the past few weeks, we've been talking about very important reminders in the church and uh, the church's life, specifically in communion. We have communion that we take each week and that we'll receive this morning. Uh, the communion regularly reminds us of the body that was broken and the blood that was poured out for our God's people, His people, and the new covenant that Christ brings. We have baptism uh, that hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see one here and uh, we'll be a part of one and partake of one here soon. And the baptism reminds us of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and us joining Him in the same. And so reminders are essential. But on all of these occasions and all of these reminders, it's not just to remember, but it's also to celebrate. And so as we gather on Sunday morning, it's to celebrate. We don't come solemnly. We don't come sad. We come joyous. We come very excited to celebrate the good news. I uh, saw a, uh, one of my kids show me a video this weekend of some young YouTube star or whatever you call him. I don't know, YouTube celebrity. And he just could not fathom why they called it Good Friday. And as you work through this morning, as you work through 1 Corinthians, we're going to be reminded of why we call it Good Friday, because of what Christ has done for His people. So in all of these occasions uh, of worth remembering, we also celebrate. So today, we remember and we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So uh, as we've turned to 1 Corinthians uh, 15, let's kind of go back to the beginning there. As Paul starts this, he says, Now I would... And he says a lot, as he often does in these first couple verses. He says, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel. So he just introduces this thing very similar to what, what we just did. It, he is reminding the people. He is reminding the church at Corinth of an essential truth, of a, foundation, of a foundational truth, and that is of the gospel. 
I'm reminding you of this gospel, a gospel that I preached to you, and a gospel that you received, and a gospel now that in which you stand, and a gospel in which you are being saved. So this gospel has so many implications to our life, and he, he was reminding them of that, of the importance of this gospel, the death, as, he's gonna, as he will kind of... Uh, Summarize here in verse 3 of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Now, it is important, specifically in our context here, that Paul reminds the church of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, in the Greek culture, we've mentioned this before, in Greek culture, they rejected the idea of resurrection uh, because they felt that death was freedom from the body. So from them, death was freedom. So the obviously, as, as all churches do, we engage in the culture, and sometimes we can begin to look more like the culture than we do the church. And so they needed this reminder of the death to bear on the resurrection of Jesus. They've been influenced by their culture, and they, need be, they needed to be reminded of the reality, the importance and the power of the resurrection of Christ. And so again, one of the main reasons that we gather every week, and as we say often here at Cedar, uh, here at Cedar Crest, where did that come from? Here at North Hills, it's only been ten and a half years. <laughs> the um, one of the things, one of the reasons we gather every single week is to be reminded of the gospel. We never grow tired of the gospel. So we need this reminder each week. And so Sunday for Easter Sunday for us is not something that's drastically different. Uh, it, is a, it is like every Sunday we remind each other of the gospel. For believers, the gospel is everything. For believers, we want to hear the gospel. We want to hear the gospel. We do not grow tired of hearing the gospel preached because it is a subject that we should never grow tired of because it is the subject by which we are saved. It is, it is the very nature by which we realize that we are sinners apart from Christ and we need Christ. The gospel is the story of God's redemption of His people, of how much He loves us, how much He cares for us, how we are His portion. And that is enough. That should be all that we need is the gospel. And so we want to hear the gospel. We should want to share the gospel. Believers not only want to hear it, we want to share it. We should have a desire to share the power of the gospel with others. If we find ourselves at times not wanting to share the gospel, maybe if we find if we assess our life at times and say, I never want to share the gospel, then we should question whether or not we are truly believers. Because believers, not only do we want to hear it, we want to share it. Also, we want to be confronted by it. And so, oh, preacher, now you're meddling. I don't want to be confronted by anything. I live my life in such a way to avoid confrontation. But even as believers, we want to be confronted by the gospel and the truth of the gospel. Because believers, we welcome being challenged and confronted by the truth of the gospel. And so there are things that Paul will, uh, will confront the church with in the book of Corinthians. Many things that he will confront them with. And he's reminding them of this foundational truth of the gospel. Because it is that which ultimately points us to foundation of truth. So we want to hear it, we want to share it, we want to be confronted by it. And finally, we want to be conformed by it. As believers, we want to be conformed by the gospel. And this is why we want to hear it each and every week. This is why we want to share it. This is why we want to be confronted by it, so that we can be more like Christ. This is the gospel. If a professing 
believer does not conform to the truth of the gospel, then they have not been transformed by the God of the gospel. And so as we look at our life and we look at our thoughts and we look at our hearts and we look at our desires and we look at everything that makes us, if we've not been conformed by the truth of the gospel, then it's likely we've not been transformed by the God of the gospel. And one thing I don't want us to miss is this warning that Paul also gives. Not only does he remind them of the gospel, not only does he remind them that he's preached the gospel and they've received the gospel and they stand on the gospel and they're being saved by the gospel. He says, if you hold fast to the word I have preached, unless you believed in vain, unless you believed in vain. So this is a warning that we have in this text in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And the warning is very clear. It is to those who have believed in vain. And this is a topic that we talk about throughout the year and what it means to, to, um, uh, to use or to, to take on the name of the Lord God in vain. We often say to take God's name in vain. What that really means to take it on in vanity, to profess Christ, but not really possess Christ. And if, if I may, and I ask that you hear me this morning in a spirit of truth and love for those who are here, for those who are listening online, that there are likely those who are here this morning, that those who are joining us in some remote setting, who claim to know Christ but are not known by Him. And so just as clearly as Paul would deliver this warning uh, to these in, uh, in, the early, uh, in the early church's history, the same warning is for us today that there are those who have believed in vain, that they have professed Christ, but they have never truly known Christ. They do not have a new nature. They have not been truly born again. And it doesn't matter if you come to church twice a year or 52 times a year. It doesn't matter if you're a member of a church or not a member of a church. It matters is have you looked to Christ in faith and repentance. And this is Paul's warning. And we see this warning all through the New Testament. We see this warning in the Old Testament. We see this warning in the Ten Commandments. It is a regular warning throughout Scripture. Do not believe in vain. Do not take on the name of the Lord our God in vain. And so a way that you can know uh, ways that you can know whether or not that you have taken on the name of the Lord in vain, if you've believed in vain. Some questions. Do you treasure Christ, as we sang just a moment ago? Do you joyfully submit to the Lord? Do you feel the weight of your sin? Do you feel the sting of your sin? Do you have remorse over your sin? And do you trust in the finished work of Jesus? Some things to think about as we think about our walk with the Lord. So there's this warning that Paul gives, this reminder uh, that Paul gives. Now let's look at this gospel that he preaches. And so as you uh, look in verse 3, he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day again in accordance with the scriptures. And so he says this is of first importance. This is why we come back to 1 Corinthians 15 every single Resurrection Sunday. is because it is of first importance, the, the priority of the gospel. That we need to hear it. We need to be moved by it. Not just once a year, but every week. This is the message, Paul's message 
of first importance. And this is still true today in 2022, that the gospel is the most important message that you'll ever hear in your entire life. It's the only message that you'll ever hear to and respond to that has eternal consequences. Repent and believe. There is no greater truth than the gospel. Now, Paul gives us three components of the gospel here. He says, first of all, that Christ died. He said, this first importance also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture. Go with me to Isaiah 53. It's over in the Old Testament. Go to Psalms and take a right. You will find uh, Isaiah in a moment. Read a part of Isaiah 53 that, that points us to the death of Christ so well. Isaiah 53 says this. I'll read it kind of fast. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. There was nothing special, he's saying, and by appearance, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as of one with men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And you can continue going. There's so much in Isaiah 53 that points us to the death of Christ. Because Christ died. And as we look at the components of the gospel, the first of which is that Christ died. He was crushed. He was crucified. And He was cursed. Jesus Christ was crushed, crucified, and cursed for us. Not out of some demand from Satan, but out of the penalty of sin, the payment that was due, his body was broken. As we come to the communion table here shortly, as we take the bread, we're reminded of the broken body of Christ. Christ died. He endured what none of us could endure ourselves. And despite the horrific reality of the Roman crucifixion, this wasn't even the worst part as we think about the death of, of Christ. We think about Christ going to the cross. The physical torment is not why Jesus prayed in the garden. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Although that was enough, would be enough for any of us to pray that same prayer. But for Jesus, it was more than the physical pain. Imagine for a moment. And be, be honest with yourself. Imagine for a moment the last time that you specifically remember sinning. For some of you, it may not be difficult at all, and you're very aware of your sin and your sinful nature, and you can go right to it. And for some of us, maybe, who are more prideful, you've got to think for a moment, but think of the last moment, the last time that you specifically sinned against a holy God. When you failed to honor Christ in either word or deed. And we don't talk about our feelings much here at North Hills, but how did that make you feel? How did you feel, especially if you're a believer here, how did you feel when you sinned against the Holy God? How did it feel when you rejected Christ in word or deed at one time? 
Now imagine if you could take the sum of all the times that you individually have sinned in your life. Could you carry that burden? The feeling of sinning one time, could you take the totality of your sin? And in a moment, could you withstand that guilt and that burden and that weight? Now take Christ, who in this moment in history, as He was on the cross, He had no sin to take on. He was sinless, a sinless Son of God. And that moment took on every sin of His people throughout every, every generation. Throughout all time, every sin of His people, Christ took on. He became sin, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, God made Christ to be sin who knew no sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And so this is what Christ does on the cross. We call this the great exchange. Through the cross, Christ exchanged His righteousness for our sinfulness. So let us remember the death of Christ. But not only do we want to remember the death of Christ, we want to remember Christ's burial. So Paul goes on to say that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture, that He was buried, that He was buried. Have you ever wondered why the burial of Jesus is included in every time we talk about the gospel of death, burial, the resurrection? I mean, the burial should be assumed, right? Someone dies, they should be buried. This is not just a uh, 21st century uh, practice. This has been a practice for a long, long time. Burial. So why is it important to, to mention the burial of Jesus? There was two things that the burial of Jesus helps us to remember and to celebrate even. The reason that his burial is important is we think about the gospel as it emphasizes that he truly died. There is a sense of finality, finality that Christ didn't just come down, come to the cross, uh, die for our sins, and just disappear. There was a burial, a sense of finality. He didn't go to hell for a few days and preach a revival. He didn't just disappear. That He came, He died, and was buried as a picture of the end of His physical life. And as a, even a, a, to show us even more gloriously His resurrection that would soon be. So Christ died and was buried. His, the second reason it's important is his burial signifies the beginning of the exaltation of Christ. We go back and look at Isaiah 53 and see that he was uh, not one to be esteemed. And as we see in Scripture, that he had no place to lay his head. And he, he lived this humble life as the Son of God, as the King of the universe. His whole earthly life of 33 years was, was surrounded by humility. But now... His burial begins his exaltation. If you remember, he was buried in the tomb of a wealthy man. So this Savior who had no place to lay his head is now, is now laid in a place of high esteem. To go to John 19, verse 41 and 42, I'll read this for you. You don't have to turn there. In the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close by hand, they laid Jesus there. So he was laid to rest, not just in a tomb, but in a garden. Matthew Henry, who I like to quote occasionally, who always says things so well, he says this of the fact that Jesus was laid to rest in a garden. 
In the Garden of Eden, going back to Genesis, specifically Genesis 3, in the Garden of Eden, death and the grave first received their power. So prior to Genesis 3, there was no death, there was no sin, there was no sickness, there was no suffering. In Genesis 3, sin enters into the world, and thus we have sin, sickness, suffering, pain, and death, mourning, all these things that we associate with the brokenness of sin that enters through the garden in Genesis 3. And Matthew Henry goes on and says, And in the garden, a new tomb, in which, oh, I'm sorry, and in, and now in a garden, they are conquered. So in the garden of Eden, death and, and the grave first received their power, and now in a garden, they are conquered, disarmed, and triumphed over. So death no longer has power. Death no longer has its sting. Hell no longer has its victory because Christ is laid to rest physically in this tomb in a garden. In a garden, Christ began His passion and from a garden He would rise and begin His exaltation. So let us remember, church, the death of Christ. Let us remember the burial of Christ. And finally, because Christ was raised. Paul says, Christ died for our sins in accordance with scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with scripture. Now, jump down to verse 12. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? And so Paul is addressing this issue of the resurrection of the church. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that He raised Christ. So there's a lot riding on the resurrection of Jesus and on the testimony of His resurrection, whom He did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. And that's important, church. Sometimes there's this lie that kind of creeps into our conversations and maybe even to our way of thinking that, okay, if I'm wrong, at least I've lived a good life. If I'm wrong, at least I've done right by others. If I'm wrong, at least I haven't lived a life of, of murdering and, and cheating and whatever else you want to fill in the blank with. But Paul says, inspired by the Holy Spirit, that's not right. He says that the resurrection of Christ is not true. It's not just, hey, look at us, we lived okay. He says we are a people most to be pitied because our hope, it's not just in the death of Christ for our sins, not just in the burial of Christ for the beginning of His exaltation, but our hope is founded in the resurrection of Jesus, that He truly did uh, rise from the dead, that He came out of that tomb. He defeated death. He defeated sin. He was raised. The resurrection of Christ is the absolute greatest hope of the believer all of the claims of Jesus hinge upon the resurrection of Christ. It's been a while we've been to Romans 10, but just flip there just for a second so you can see it. But Romans 10 and verse 9, one of those clear passages speaks to salvation. 
Romans 10, 9 says, But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that Christ raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. So our salvation hinges upon the resurrection of Christ and us confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and us looking to His resurrection as our greatest source of hope. All the claims of Jesus rest on His resurrection. Our salvation rests on His resurrection. And our future eternity and bodily resurrection rests on the resurrection of Christ. So when we say Happy Resurrection Day, it means something. It means that we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, of our Lord and Savior. And so yes, let us remember the death of Christ and let us remember the burial of Christ and let us remember the resurrection of Christ. Church, let us be reminded this morning of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. As we gather this morning, let us be encouraged by that. And not just to remember, but to celebrate it. And not just celebrate it today, not just to celebrate it as we sing this morning and come to the communion table, but let it invigorate us. Let us celebrate this week. Let it be clear that, hey, something happened this weekend. What happened to you this weekend? I was reminded of the resurrection of Christ. I was reminded of what Christ has done for me. Sit down. Let me tell you about it. So we need to remember and we need to celebrate. It needs to be not just on our minds, but on our hearts. It needs to be on our lips of the resurrection of Jesus. For it is the power of God through the gospel that brings us from death to life. Why? Because He loves us. Why does, why does He do all of this? Why is the gospel thread through all of Scripture? Why does God give us the words so we can understand this? Why does He remind us in 1 Corinthians 15? Why do we, we talk so much about the resurrection and salvation of man? Because God loves us. That is the why of our salvation. That is the why of the resurrection. That is the why of the death. That is the why of the burials. Because God loves His people. And He calls us forth. And if you are not His this morning, to those who may have rejected Jesus your whole life up until today, the call, the command today is to repent and believe. To repent of your sins and believe in Jesus. To look to Him as the author, perfecter, and finisher of our faith. To look to Jesus as His offering of salvation is to all who would believe. To anyone who would look to Christ in faith and believe. Who would confess Him with their mouth and believe in the heart and His resurrection. To them belong salvation. So if you've rejected Christ and you're just you're a drug here or maybe you're drugged to watch online, repent of your sins and trust in what Christ has done on the cross for those who would believe. And then finally, to those who may be here who have believed in vain. We never like to, to think of that. We never like to think that could be us. But indeed, if you have believed in vain, if you've taken on the name of the Lord in vanity, admit that you've never truly trusted Christ, admit that you've never truly desired the Lord, that He is not your treasure that we sang of a few moments earlier. Admit that you are still a sinner in need of a Savior. And the command is similar. Truly turn to Jesus and trust in Him. 
Repent of your sins and look to Christ. Today can be the first day of the rest of your life. Let us pray. Lord, uh, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for a chance to turn to your word and this reminder of the gospel. And Lord, as we continue in our service this morning, as we sing, as we come to the communion table, to remember what you've done for us through your body and through your blood, even as we have a chance to give because you have so generously and faithfully given to us. May everything we do this morning be for the glory of Christ. If there's one here this morning, Lord, who's never truly looked to you in faith and repentance, even right now, in a way that only your Holy Spirit can, would you move in that person and have them look to you and trust you. Thank you, Lord, that we get to remember and we get to celebrate the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this morning. In His strong and powerful name we do pray. Amen.